what I realized is that like the core values essentially are like who you are. It's, it's how you hire. It's, it's the people that you want to stay in, uh, with you every day here in the office. What's up, everybody? It's your host, Matt Hunkler, and this is episode 81 of Powder Keg Igniting Startups. Uh, this is the show for tech entrepreneurs, investors, and professionals growing companies around the world in areas outside of Silicon Valley. Uh, I'm super excited because today I've got my good friend, Jason Price, the co-founder and CEO of CoVideo, joining me on the show. We're going to talk all about company culture and all about how he's grown a remarkable tech company based right here in Indianapolis, Indiana. He has grown his team to dozens of people, millions of dollars, without raising any outside funding from angel investors or venture capitalists. And they now serve over 250 people around the country with an amazing video marketing software that uses the power of both video and email to create personalized digital communication. Uh, I love this company. I love their culture. And we actually filmed this in CoVideo headquarters. So here's the show. Um, well, dude, I'm excited to do this conversation because I, I've, I've put together bits and pieces of your foundry story. Sure. Um, just through, through conversations here yeah. and there. But I haven't really kind of gotten it from the beginning. <laughs> and so I was wondering, um, I, I'd like to start with just asking a little bit about how you first got into this crazy thing called entrepreneurship. Okay. How did you dis how did you get the inspiration to take the leap and start your own company? Yeah. So, I, I, so it goes back probably to college. So Cooper, who's my partner here, my best friend from high school as well. Um, I don't know if there was one single moment where you know it just sort of hit and said this is something we were going to do. But I would say from the beginning, our goal was always to create a company. Mm -hmm. Like from day one when we went to Purdue, it was you know how can we? Well, and so we both we both studied computer science. And for me, I went into Purdue without really ever having touched a computer. I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, maybe I did some papers in high school, but there wasn't a whole lot of computer classes back in the day, <laughs> yep. right? And so, you know, I went in very green, um, you know, based on probably my skill set and personality, like the patience to write code wasn't always the easiest thing for me, but it was always kind of an ends to a mean, which is clearly tech is a space. Yeah. Our goal was to learn as much as we could about building products and then go create one. So even throughout college, Cooper and I were constantly trying to launch companies, in most cases failing. What? Why? Do you, do you remember what was driving you to do that? I think the uh, we, we love creating. So I think just the, the general inspiration of creating something and having control of what you're creating. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it comes back to something like we just didn't really want to work for anybody else. Yeah. Like we believed that we could create a company and an environment that was meaningful for us. And so that was, that was the goal. So our first company was a website design company. Okay. Right. And so now it's, I mean, hell you can go build one for free and make it look pretty good. But at the time, you know, most companies, especially in Indiana, a lot of them didn't have websites. So oh, yeah. there was a massive opportunity there for us. I was doing um, the same thing in Bloomington. No kidding. Yeah. And what year was that? Uh, 2007 to 2009. So you feel, so we were more like 2000, 2001. Okay. And the challenge we ran into. Just riding on your coattails. Yeah. You're just behind us. The, the challenge <laughs> we were running into is that when we would cold call into companies, um, many of them said they didn't need a website, right? There was just this impression of like, it's the internet and it's not that important. I mean, hell, most of where we grew up in, well, so obviously Purdue's in West Lafayette. I grew up in a little town called Monticello. 
And yeah. most of them were probably on dial-up still. And so there just wasn't, or even if they had internet in their business. And so we sort of like, there was like a gap there where it's like, well, hell, no one wants a website. So this, this business kind of sucks and <laughs> it's hard to make money doing it. Um, then we got into online food ordering. So we set up a, a portal where essentially every restaurant on Purdue campus and most in Lafayette, Indiana, were connected to our online food ordering. And so at the time, you know, we were solving, you know, what now is trivial problems, but, you know, like getting secure credit card information, processing it correctly, yep. doing all the tax, getting the escrow account, paying back the restaurant. I mean, just that in itself was like a massive In the early 2000s, yeah. Crazy, yeah. And yeah, there's no, no PayPal, there's no, no PayPal. And PayPal existed, but just not in the way that it does right. now, right? Not fully accessible, right. not on mobile. Right. Yeah. And so... That wasn't the problem. The problem is that none of the restaurants actually had really like computers or infrastructure. So we had to digitally fax from our system the order, which would then sit for like an hour. <laughs> and then the students would call us, where the hell's our food? And we were transacting quite a bit of business there for a while. Wow. Um, what was the name of the, the business? So it was called Boiler Life. Oh, yeah. 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 And so, know, I grew up in West Lafayette. Okay. So yeah. I, I never had enough money when I was a kid to, to order anything online. There but, you go. But uh, I remember seeing some sort of advertisements. Yeah. So Boiler Life, I mean, the, the primary foundation was like a kind of a community for Purdue students. But the, the main product was yeah. being able to order food and get those and get that whole thing processed. And so uh, the restaurants became very frustrated, right, because <laughs> they had students that weren't happy or just people trying to order the food. And I think what I realized with Cooper and I early on is that I don't know if it was just like a failure to launch from a maturity perspective, but like clearly the customer was also the restaurant, mm. but we didn't, we didn't pick up on that. Right. Right. To us, the customer was the person buying the food. And so there was sort of this like confrontational relationship between us and the restaurants. And then as another business, it just sort of didn't exist. It just sort of wound itself down. And then, um, we both graduated in late 2003 and we rolled right into uh, Covideo. So we'd met a serial entrepreneur mm -hmm. and we were just at that time, the, the boiler life business was sort of winding down and how, how did you guys feel after the whole boiler life experience? Because I, I imagine you put a lot of time and energy. Surprisingly, in not bad at all. Really? It's like, let's go do the next thing. So here was the issue at the time. I, and I've said it before, like we didn't understand what it truly meant to stick with the business, right? Mm -hmm. To understand that you're going to have challenges and that just because the challenges are existing or business is getting tough, it's not that the business isn't good. It's just we got to make some pivots or adjustments. Um, for us, we're saying, oh, that's, that's a bad business. Let's go do a better one. And so yeah. it was just, honestly, I don't even think it stuck with us. We were just on to the next thing. That's great. Yeah. Where do you think you got that sort of uh, mentality? Did you have some sort of mentors that were coaching you through it? Was it pure dumb luck and sort of uh, co confidence? Yeah, maybe. Maybe dumb confidence for sure. <laughs> I don't know. I think for both of us, we just... Um, I've just naturally never dwelled on things. I mean, it just, yeah. it didn't work. Let's move on to the next one. I think that's a lot of how we operate here to some degree too. It's like, I would much rather do something. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, make an adjustment and go fix it, then spend a week planning it and then get into it, realize assumptions are wrong and then be frustrated. You have all this time into it. So right. for us, it's just, we're always sort of focused on running to the next thing. Learn your lesson. Keep moving. Yeah, you got it. it do you do anything to sort of like document your lessons? I don't. I should. I'm yeah. sure they're up there somewhere. Yeah. 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 It sticks in the brain. And yeah. You just kind of synthesize it and, and keep moving. Yeah. Cool. So how did you come up with the idea for CoVideo? You, you mentioned you, you came across the serial entrepreneur. Yeah. Was that in West Lafayette? It was. And so he had come in and looked at our um, online food ordering business. And that thing was just not going well, right? And once again, it wasn't going well because it was a bad idea. because we weren't doing the right things. And um, he just had some general thoughts around video and 
where the state of video could be in the marketplace. And at that time, YouTube hadn't launched. And so it was like the, like a wild frontier. I mean, you could do anything you wanted. And so um, when we first started, there was a ton of vision around what like the actual product would be. I mean, it would clearly be an email tool. We were looking at live video conferencing, um, hmm. more like instant video chat from like a business Skype perspective before Skype really rolled into business. And so the ideas were, were clearly there's a play here in enterprise. Yeah. And we just started building. And I think um, Ed, who was our partner in CoVideo, mm -hmm. was really important for us because he was in his early 60s. He had founded and exited 15 companies and just had sort of probably more than anything of like when things went wrong, which clearly they would, right? It's just what happens. Yeah. Uh, I think what he was able to teach us, like it's not time to close this down and go do something new. It's like you got, we have to dig in and figure out why this stuff isn't working. It kind of helped with sort of the staying power. You got it. Yeah. yeah. That was the lesson we learned from him, which was the most important lesson we learned. However, interestingly enough, I feel like some of our earlier companies probably had markets quicker. Uh, we stayed with CoVideo, I think, without a market. Uh, like a true defined market for probably, I mean, I think you got to say at least eight or nine years. I mean, I feel like the market didn't really start arriving for us until 2014. Wow. You know? That's a long time. Long time. You have to have a lot of uh, commitment yeah. to stick with a business that long. Well, that was the lesson. So we learned it the hard way. That's great. Well, and, and the fact that you didn't raise venture capital or angel, right. traditional angel rounds, uh, allowed you that freedom sure. to stick with the market until it Obviously, it's hit like right now, video is everything. It's everything. Has been the for the last spot. five years. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think the other thing for us is, and once again, I don't know if it was luck or just um, uh, we were at the right place at the right time. Who knows? But we closed a deal in early 2005 that was about 300 grand of annual recurring revenue. And so that sort of kind of put us on the map in the sense of not people knowing about us, but in our own minds of like, we have a business, it's been validated. We can now build a path and a process around business development to go do this time and time again. Yeah. But I, I swear, I think we found the only early adopter <laughs> in the United States at that time. And, and we didn't probably pick up another big account for seven, eight, nine years. And so wow. we sort of just flatlined, you know, within that first year, we got to about a half million and we flatlined there for about six or seven years. Wow. You know, that's incredible. And that's the other thing too. It's like clearly generating revenue or, you know, it's just back to iterating and trying. And there were always these windows where like something's about ready to hit or like the market is arriving and it just took longer than we thought, but I'm glad we stopped. That's a lot of patience. Yeah. So, so describe to me, um, in your own words, so that elevator pitch of what is the, the sweet spot of COVID that finally clicked? Sure. Um, so we're a software company clearly, and our primary platform right now is a video email tool. And so the way I describe it is if you're a business and you're not using video, you should be. Um, and if you are, you need a platform like CoVideo. So whether you want to send out you know, personalized videos from a sales rep to a prospect. You want to incorporate videos into your marketing campaigns, videos on your website. There's so many areas where video can make a massive impact. CoVideo essentially is the platform and it has the analytics and the tools to make all that happen. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of your reach right now, in terms of clients, number of employees, give me some idea of the scale. Sure. So right now we're at um, 2,500 clients. And our initial sort of um, test market or beachhead was in the automotive space. And, and frankly, they just they were really good at, at being willing to adopt this technology early. So from, you know, 05 to 2011, most of our business was car dealers. And so we sort of transitioned out of car dealers into other industries like mortgage and real estate and other B2C type mm -hmm. spaces. But 
what we're seeing now is, um, you know, as we transition even from that area is really mid-market enterprises where we're starting to see a ton of traction. Fortune 500 companies that want to incorporate video into their recruiting or into their sales process. And so I think this is the time where things are going to take off. So 2,500 current customers, about 20,000 uh, unique users, because we have some clients with multiple accounts sure. set up on the system, and we're at 36 employees. That's great, yeah. man. When did you start really kind of building that team? Because I imagine in those days where you just had one big client and mm -hmm. we were still figuring it out for years, sure, you weren't, you probably weren't actively growing the team at that time. No, I, we tried. So we, we probably sat, uh, give or take a few heads, at five or six people until about 2013. Um, we did make an effort to sort of scale the team in 2010 a little prematurely. Mm. And so we had to make some adjustments and sort of move some people out of the company and go through a round of layoffs, which is the worst thing I've ever done. And so... Do you mind sharing a little bit of what you learned through that process? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I learned, and it's one of our core values. I mean, we deeply care. I mean, that, I, mean I think a lot of people struggle with with letting people go. I mean, I don't sure. think anyone should, should probably take that lightly, but... Um, I think the challenge for me was just like these these people had made a commitment to work for us. We'd made a commitment to them and we just we had let them down. I mean, I felt like it was 100 percent. It was my fault because we couldn't scale enough. And so I think what I've learned then is while I'm not very risk adverse, I'm I am definitely way more cautious around hiring people now to make sure that we have the cash flow or the projections to support them. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I still think we're aggressive and you know we're moving as quickly as we can. But. Definitely, I would never do that again. Yeah, if I could avoid it. For so, sure. I appreciate you sharing that lesson. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of other uh, founders could could appreciate that. Yeah, and so once we, um, you know, once we sort of wound down part of that team, we were probably at six people until uh, 2015. We were still at the Purdue Research Park in West Lafayette, Indiana. Yeah. We relocated down here to Indianapolis, and so we've scaled from six to 36. In, in four years. So I think moving to Indy was the biggest move we could have done. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to me about that. How did you make that decision? We knew it was time. Yeah. So throughout all of 2014, we were really looking hard at how do we get out of here. And yeah. so we had sort of made a decision. We were either going to go to Indianapolis or to Chicago. And we were going to re relocate the team. Even though it was a small team, it was when you're that small, it was foundational. We really couldn't lose anybody. And um, talking through the team, everyone had agreed they'd be willing to relocate down to Indy. And very few people felt compelled to move to Chicago. Yeah. And so that was it. Nice. Yeah. Decision made. Decision made. Six to 36 is a really important time uh, in a company's life cycle. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you've got this like really tight knit core of six. Sure. And uh, hopefully at 36, it still feels tight knit. Right. Um, doesn't always happen. Sometimes companies do that in six months, right? right. If, if they get an injection of capital and they grow like crazy, you've, you've, uh, done consistent growth of the team. It seems like in a very responsible way over the last several years. Tell me about sort of your approach to hiring and building a team. Do you have sort of like a general philosophy? Well, I, I think um, a couple of things come to mind for me is, you know, as we started scaling, the market started arriving, we recognized that clearly we needed to sell more and take advantage. So we've, we've looked heavily in the last uh, couple of years, focusing on building out our sales and marketing team and really focusing on what makes the most sense for us. Mm. Um, I would say general philosophy is um, we hire extremely slow. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that we could easily hire four or five more people, like literally today and find spots for them. But um, to maintain this sort of like family cult-like culture, you know, we've made a couple of mistakes in the past. Um, not just we hired too soon and had to let a few people go, but also hiring some people that weren't really a cultural fit, you know. And I'm sure everyone's ran into that. But it, uh, when you have 
like when I say we have a family-like culture, it is legitimately the way we interact. I mean, almost everyone in here is best friends with someone else in the office. Um, they spend countless amount of hours away from work together. Like for example, all the ladies in our office, um, I think it's this weekend or next weekend, are all getting together that COVID is going to sponsor it. They're going to Dry Bar at 4 p.m. And <laughs> there's some, awesome. there's some uh, prom night where all the ladies are dressing up and going together. And so for me, it's like you spend all week grinding together. And you're choosing to take your weekend to spend that together. And so I, th I think for me, in terms of how we approach it, is to make sure people are aligned yeah. with that mindset. You know, And so probably another way to look at it is I don't really look at these people as like a commodity in terms of they're in a seat and their job is to drive the company or create more revenue or whatever. I feel like the company exists to give them the opportunity to do the things they need to do, to build the career they need to build, to have the lives they want to have. And so I take, for me, I put the responsibility on myself to give it back the other way. Yeah. And um, I think by doing that, it creates people that are more passionate. They love being here, which of course creates better work. And so it all sort of works together. Who are some of the, the people or, or what are some of the books that have sort of inspired and shaped that approach? Man, so I do read a lot. I don't know if anything specifically inspired yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it goes back to our course. So for me, I, I, I'm a crazy extrovert in the sense of like I work with and through people. I and mean, yeah. that is like the core of who I am. I get energy through people. If I'm in an office by myself working on spreadsheets or whatever, I can do it, right? I can get in the detail, but I, it's not something where I, I excel. And so for me, it's like the connection with the group here and then for them to fill that back. It's just it's sort of naturally how we built the company. I would say my partner, Jason Cooper, is the exact same way. I mean, we're very people-focused. He's probably a bit more on the introversion side to some degree, but he still is very aligned with sort of this team unity. So sure. I don't think there was like one particular blog post or book I read that said, this is what you should do. I just felt like that's what organically sort of came. Yeah. In terms of family, what does that word mean to you? Um, so a lot of different yeah, families lot, out there. <laughs> a lot of different families. Well, I, a number of things. It's not one thing. First of all, we take care of each other. At the end of the day, we work together. We win together. Um, I mean, it's about a team environment. And not in the sense of like you always have to be working in a team. If you work better by yourself, that's fine. But at the end of the day, like all the success or the felt we're shared together as a group. It's not any one person that owns that. Yeah. Um, like at each time in a family, I'm sure there's, you know, there's bickering, there's, there's, there's challenges, but we get through all of that because we actually care deeply about the other person on the other end. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think for me, it just comes down to just caring, yeah. you know, and making sure you're doing the right things for each other. Well, and you mentioned your, uh, your core values and your mission uh, yeah. here at CoVideo. Um, why do you, why do you feel like those are important? I mean, they're the heartbeat of the company. And, and so for me in the beginning, um, I actually, you know, core values, and I'm not really, maybe in 2005, 2006, they were a big deal. I didn't really ever hear many people talking about yeah. core values, maybe a little bit of culture. I felt like it's been much more of like the buzzword the last seven or eight years, or maybe I just wasn't connected to the right media. But I, I felt especially early on, um, like core values just seem like an unnecessary, you know, waste of time creating this superficial set of words that, you know, everyone rallies around. So I didn't necessarily buy into it, hmm. especially early on. And then... Um, what changed? So we, we have core values. We had a set that we created and we sort of started working through them. And, and what I realized is that like the core values essentially are like who you are. It's, it's how you hire. It's, it's the people that you want to stay uh, with you every day here in the office. You know, if, if you got to make a decision based on whether it's incentivizing somebody or giving a reward or a promotion, or if you have to hold someone accountable, I mean, everything falls back 
uh, to the core values. So one of the things interesting that came up uh, recently is uh, I had quite a few people here sharing that maybe the core values didn't necessarily resonate with them personally. Like they're good words and clearly if you do those things, they were meaningful, but it wasn't necessarily who we are. And so we actually went through an exercise um, just here in the last month where I have a select few people that have come in, sort of give me their feedback, and we've completely rebuilt our core values from scratch. Awesome. And um, I would say now that I, I see truly as I look through them, like these are who we are. And it's, it's um, once again, the words don't need to be there because yeah. we already existed in that fashion. But now I see how powerful it is as you look through a situation where maybe there is a confrontation around a performance or maybe there's, you know, a hiring decision you need to make and there's three or four great candidates. When you align it back to those values, it makes all those so much easier. So I became a believer over time. But it, but it took a while. It took a while, it yeah, sounds like. It did. And, and it sounds like you, you kind of came to it uh, initially almost from a point of skepticism, which certainly no judgment there because, yeah. I mean... You see the the buzz around it, and no doubt. Uh, if, you, if that hasn't been your background, and if that hasn't been like how you got into business, and you know, there's no core values on a balance sheet. Sure, you got it. Um, what got you to say like, "Hey, I'm going to give this a try"? Well, we've been giving it a try for a while, so we sure. have a set of core values. I mean, they've been out there for for years. But yeah, so take me back to what, however, you know, five, six, seven years ago when you first put core values in place. Do you remember what it was that that flipped that switch to zero core values to, right. I don't know about this, but I'm going to give it a try. So I think for me, I'd read um, Good to Great a long time ago. Yeah. And then I had read it again. And then through one of my partners, we actually picked up the book called Traction. Yep. And I'm not sure if you've read that, but you know, uh, essentially. There's a couple ones. Is it the EOS? It is, the yep. EOS model, yeah. Clickman or, or yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Gino Wickman. And so, Wickman, sorry. Yeah, you got it. And so... Um, you know, reading through that book and really sort of being reminded about how important those things are. We sort of went through the exercises then um, and we established them, you know, so our partners and I were looking at everything together and those were established and they're part of the performance reviews. And uh, probably why, they, um, why they're important and we talked about them and we coach on them and they were part of it, of how we operate, it just... I think those words weren't the right words for us. And yeah. I think that was the other thing too is we, we hadn't really sat down and said, okay... When you look at this space, when we look at the company we built and what matters to us, how do we exist? Who are we? Like, what makes us who we are? And I think once we started asking those questions, we picked up core values that, that resonate. So I'm, I'm very happy with these. I'm going to start sharing them with the team yeah, in what, the next what, couple of weeks. What are a couple of your favorites? So the first one, um, I'll read right here. It's called We're All Bosses. Nice. Yeah, and, and it's totally the truth. So we look for people that are extremely self-motivated, that, that can be self-managed, that um, want to take ownership of whatever role they're in. That, um, And I think there's a couple of things to go with that. People that want to take ownership with their work is, is also is very empowering. Yeah. Yeah, because now they have the freedom to make decisions, and then they know they have the support of us, leadership, and the trust is there. So it's a symbiotic relationship. But the other thing is, we don't need to spend time, like there is no micromanagement here. Right. Like anybody that needs to be told multiple times to hit your call numbers or, you know, the deadline for submitting this code review was at this point in time or a marketing campaign was supposed to, like if anybody needs constant reminder, like they just would never fit here. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, we want people that can come in and do those things on their own. Like they, they understand the job. Now they, at times maybe they need led, maybe they need inspired. There's other things we work through there, but sure. in terms of the day to day, like they are bosses, they know their jobs. And so that's probably the most critical thing. And then the second for me, uh, we have six is we care. 
And that goes back to Kubernetes foundations. Like the yep. people here matter more than anything. I mean, some, my best friends in the world come in this office every day. Um, I just think based on how we hire and how we treat each other, that to me is is far more important than skill set sometimes. Yeah. And we've made decisions like that. So if we have you know multiple candidates for a job and you have someone that on paper and through the interview process maybe had more experience, maybe skill set was a bit stronger, but they were missing some of these pieces. And we didn't know what they were at the time. We just sort of made the gut decision. Right. But I think a lot of it comes back to these values. And I think it's going to be easier for everyone else moving forward now that we've established the right ones. What makes a good core value in your mind? I think one that's authentic to the business. Yeah. yeah one that's authentic to who you are. I mean, and so for us, you know, because the people come first, I mean, truly the people come first, even before the customer. Our customers are critically important. Yeah. It's how we obviously get the revenue we get to be able to pay our payroll and pay our bills and all that. But at the end of the day, it's, it begins with the people yeah. every single day that walk into this office. Um, you know, if, if you've got a founder that, um, maybe is very focused on bottom line or driving profit or hitting numbers, and regardless of um, you know work-life balance or or how someone exists in the company, that those words will be very different than our words probably. Yeah. You know, and so I think it's there is no one way to do a core value, just as long as they're authentic to how you guys operate. When you talk to me about how you created your core values, because uh, one one thing that I heard you say is that you heard your team say, "Hey, maybe these these aren't one hundred percent authentically yeah. us where we are right now." Sure. So so first of all. Um, the fact that you listened to that and were open to, to feedback and open to new ideas says a lot about your own leadership mm -hmm. style. Um, but once you heard that feedback and made the decision, it's time to revisit, what was the actual process you went through? So the first thing I did was I spent a couple of weeks really just writing stuff down. Okay. Right. A lot of um, just in terms of my thoughts about the company, where I feel like we should go. And, and there wasn't any specific, like strategy around what I was writing. It was just... In general, I was trying to sort of scribe down what are the elements that matter the most to me here. Yep. And then, and this was just for you. Just for time. me. Yeah. And so I, I came up with a handful of things that I felt like were the most meaningful for me in terms of what I want to see that people get out of this place every day. Mm -hmm. um, I shared those, those same uh, thoughts with Cooper. Um, he also made some adjustments to it. And then I sent out an email to six or seven people here. And just, um, I mean, I gave them no feedback on what the exercise was. I just said, if you can pick two words and describe those words and explain why those are the best fit for who we are at CoVideo. I would love that feedback, but mm. no, no obligation. If it, you know, if you're uncomfortable, if you don't have any idea, no big deal. And so everyone sent me their thoughts back. I incorporated those thoughts back in. And then I set up a meeting two weeks ago with six people. I'm not, I wasn't in the meeting. Cooper wasn't in the meeting and I just gave them a lot of what had been created mm -hmm. and said, I'd love for you guys to take an hour. I want you to brainstorm. I want you to beat it up. I want you to be honest about, you know, everything that we do here and, and give me your feedback. And so I sort of, I took that feedback, made a few more adjustments and we landed here. And it's funny because a lot of what I'd already written uh, in the beginning was very similar to what all the email feedback I was, uh, that was sent back to me early on. Sure. And so, I mean, that's the thing about that's core good. values. I mean, it it's, it's natural. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, we've hired based on these things, clearly. Um, it's just not something we've talked about. And so now I think for everyone, um, I think there's going to be a lot more passion and energy around those. That's really cool. How do you make sure your team embodies those core values? Well, you know, so a couple of things. So the core values we had in place uh, before these new ones were always a part of our performance reviews. So we do yep. weekly one-on-ones. We do um, uh, quarterly reviews where part of the review we actually 
outline the core values. We talk our people acting within those bounds, whether it's a plus, plus, minus, or minus, and that comes from the traction book. Yep. And um, and I think to me that exercise just sort of wrote. We sort of went through it and we did it. And we and once again they were great. That like everyone should have those values, but they weren't necessarily who we were. Mm. Um, I would say how we get people to embody is just how we act every day, how we come into the office, how we treat each other. I think it starts with me and it starts with Cooper, but um, it starts with everyone else. I actually was in our uh, annual meeting this year. One of the things I told everyone, look, we're not big yet, but we are getting bigger and we will get very big. Yeah. And at this point, the I, I think the core values are really embodied in the team. Like I'm relying on them to live it every day and to be accountable to who we are as a company and to be authentic through that. And I think it goes back to the top one, which is we're all bosses. I mean, I, and I believe they're going to carry it on very well. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's really awesome. Is there anywhere you publish those uh, core values internally, externally? So, so we do. Uh, we have a card right now with the ones we had in place before. These new ones um, are going to be circulated here in the next couple of weeks. And um, actually, there's a wall. I don't know. Notice when you go down the stairs. Yeah. Um, there's a big kind of wall that overhangs the stairwell. Yeah. And so I'm going to have someone coming in and paint those on. Oh, there that's so they cool. see them every day. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that idea. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, I imagine going through this again, how did you kind of communicate to the team that like, hey, we're revisiting the core values? So at this point, I've kept it really kind of tucked into a group of about six or seven people. Okay. Right. And so, so, so we're, so we're, cap we're in the beginning a, a really awesome time. Yeah. Truly beginning state. Like these truly aren't final yet. Yeah. That's why I see I need a couple more weeks. So what I'll, what I'm going to do next is I'm going to circulate these um, to the teams. I'm going to have the managers sort of work, through a conversation around these core values with each team member and sort of start getting some additional feedback. I think we'll probably have a few more adjustments before they go live. Sure. But I want to make sure everyone gets a chance to sort of at least give some feedback about something we may have missed or not thought about. I love, uh, I love interviewing in mid process. It yeah. really gives an insider's look inside of, you know, how the sausage is made. No doubt. Man. That is yeah. successful a lot of company. collaboration, truly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, while and I have them here in front of me, I'm looking down at them while a lot of what I had initially is embodied here, I would say, um, the words and then even the descriptions, really a lot of that came from the team members. I yeah. Mean, so this, this truly has been built as a, as a team uh, exercise so far, which is great. That's awesome, man. Yeah. What, what do you, what are your hopes for the new core values and, um, what are your hopes for how the team will receive them? And then what are your hopes for the impact it'll make on the business sure. as you continue to scale? So one of the things I love about this place every day is, is the passion and energy from the team. I mean, I, you know, one of the things that Cooper and I always talked about, whether it was ourselves or the people that work here is like, we didn't want a place or a building or a company to walk into where, you know, on Monday morning or any given morning you're driving in and, and dreading your job or what you have to do that day or what the work is. And, and clearly not every day is a great day. So I'm not trying to be idealistic. You're going to have days that are harder than others, but in general, you know, we, we wanted to create a place where, where people are excited to come into it every single day and they feel like they're supported and, you know, they have a chance to make more money than they've ever made and build a career and learn more than they've ever learned before. And so we've always focused on that more than anything. Um, I would say what I'm expecting from these core values at this point is just to align with how we've already operated. So the definitions are clear, Yeah, you know, and I, and I think, um, once again, I, I we've made a lot of decisions based on these yeah. already because yeah. the, like the sort of the nature of how we operate already was kind of there. I just think the clarity is going to be uh, really exciting for everyone else. Hey, powder cake fans. I wanted to take a quick break from this conversation with Jason to share something we've been working on at powder cake that's related to this episode. 
and that's Powder Keg Culture Profiles. As of today, CoVideo has their very own culture profile on the Powder Keg platform at powderkeg.com slash CoVideo. There, you'll be able to see, hear, and feel the unique company culture at CoVideo, as well as get the behind-the-scenes look at their culture, perks and benefits, open roles, and of course, authentic, engaging videos. So I hope you'll check it out and maybe even click the get an intro button while you're there to get introduced to the right person on their team and take things to the next step. So go check it out at powderkeg.com slash covideo. That's covideo, all one word, powderkeg.com slash covideo. And if you're interested in learning more about how to get a culture profile for your own team, go to powderkeg.com slash register. It's totally free and a great way to increase the exposure for your culture, your company, and your brand. Again, it's powderkeg.com slash register. Okay, back to the show. I'm excited for you. What's, what's the future look like for CoVideo? So that's what we're most excited about. So we're in a, so we're in a weird spot. So what I've, what I've talked to Cooper about, it, I feel like we're very good startup founders. Yeah. You know, when you're sort of backs against the wall and you're trying to get a product out the door and, and generate some revenue quickly. And, um, you know, that's an area where, especially for me, I excel because the, the, the challenges are immense. You're obviously, you, you can probably relate to that in the beginning days of powder cake, right? Absolutely. It's like, and the, the challenges become different over time. No doubt. It's not that they're any easier. They're just different. Yep. Um, but just the constant fires and the frequent pivots, which is really probably in line with how I like to operate. And we just keep running through things. You know, now we're in a position where the market is, is big for what we built. I mean, we have competitors now that have funding upwards of $60 million. We have, um, I don't know, at this point, maybe a half dozen with, with over $15 million checks. And uh, so we're in a space now where it's highly competitive. I mean, even if you go back four or five years, man, we, we weren't really competing with anybody meaningfully. Yeah. And so clearly still dealing with early adopters, but like the, the mainstream market was kind of starting to pick up on video and there weren't a whole lot of players in the space. So for us, the conversation was a lot different than it was much more around, you know, convincing, you know, a sales manager around why video is a critical part to their communication process or why a marketing director should, you know, incorporate more videos in their campaigns. And so it was much around the value of video. Now it's, it's less that I think people get it. It's more now around why would we choose you guys, you know? And, and so. I would say in the next couple of years, our focus is going to be on product, heavily on product, because we've been significantly ahead of our competition for so many years. And now what we have to get to is we have an established market that's massive. It's not a small early adopter space. And sort of the things you can get away with as a startup or as you're starting to grind in the early days, you can't really get away with now. Yeah. And um, I, I would say I'm, I'm more excited than anything because it's, it's just beautiful that we've stuck through it this long. Yeah. And there's now this incredibly big market. And our goal is to go after it. You know, I think um, we're positioned extremely well. Uh, we've got a lot of the problems that we solved even seven or eight years ago. Our competitors are, from a product perspective, are still trying to solve them now. Absolutely. So we're gonna we're gonna try to take advantage of that. Um, but I, I hope you see us doubling and tripling uh, in size, not just in employees, but in business over the next couple of years. And yeah, I believe I'm we sure can we will. Yeah, I'm sure we will. That's exciting, man. Well, as as you continue to grow and scale. Um, Obviously, keeping people engaged with the team is, mm -hmm. is really important. No doubt. Um, what has worked really well to date with CoVideo? And what are some of the things you're thinking about as you scale to keep that team engaged in that sort of family work style? 
Oh, man, there's so many. Well, first of all, um, the, the beautiful part about everyone that walks in the door right now is already aligned with that. And yeah. So they operate and think and behave in that way anyway. We are very collaborative. We work as a team. Like I said, we spend a lot of time both in and outside of the office together. So that's sort of the foundations there. Um, I would say in terms of keeping people engaged, there's two sides to it. There's essentially their job, right? How they're held accountable. And we believe like very heavily in the one-on-ones. Yeah. Right. Weekly one-on-ones where... You know, and sometimes even when you run through these, they, they can become um, a bit like you're just sort of running through things and kind of covering the same things every week. But, it, you know, and that's OK. Right. As long as you're being able to recognize employee and let them know they're doing a job that's, that's extremely well or whatever. The key is if you start dropping those off when something is coming, like there is an issue or a distraction or a challenge. If you're not constantly engaged with that employee, you're going to miss it. Yep. Right. And that's where I, I think, you know, sort of performance could drop or maybe their engagement here could drop and so i think uh, from a work perspective it's definitely the one-on-ones that's the most important thing we do and then each team has a weekly meeting that uh we use the the meeting agenda from the traction book which works extremely well yeah we do too and then um i would say the second thing is we put a lot of emphasis and energy on spending time together outside of the office mm. team events um you know because uh, I, I think there's a couple of things having friendships at work is important but by building that camaraderie outside of the space where you truly get to know each other, it makes, I think, the empathy once you're back here every day making decisions so much easier. Yeah. And so um, I would say that's a huge part of how we do things. How do you do that without it feeling forced? Because I, I've certainly worked at places yeah. in the past where there have been team outings, there have been opportunities, but it was clear that not everyone wanted to participate. Right. Um, how, do you, how do you create that sort of engagement uh, without it feeling contrived? Well, I think it goes back to the people. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, I, I, in, in, first of all, they don't have to come to anything. Yeah. It's always optional. Totally. Yeah, and that's the first thing. Um, I would say secondly is I don't really, I don't plan anything anymore. Yeah. I mean, how half the time I get the invite, you know, the night of and there's something happening. I mean, I think what's happened is it's so organic here and because it's not Cooper or I, you know, creating these events, whether it's a happy hour or, uh, an outing at a sporting event or uh, maybe um, I think we did the, um, what's the breakout room where you go in, you have to break yourself out of it. Oh yeah. Escape room. Escape room. Yeah. 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 When those things happen, a lot of times those ideas were organically built through the team here. So like the girls night out, I mean, that was already planned and set up and they'd been talking about it and they just came to me and asked if I'd pay for it. And that was it. I yeah. Mean, yeah. So I think at this point, uh, because it's so natural, because the friendships are so deep here, there's, there's really nothing contrived about it. It just happens. That's cool. That's really cool. Are you, are you seeing a lot of hiring of people and referrals uh, organically through the team of people they worked with previously or friends they have to join the co-video team? Sure. Our best, that's how we're getting our best hires right now. Most of yeah. our people are coming from referrals in the last couple of years. Um, we do what most people do, right? So we're posting on Indeed. We're running LinkedIn ads. I mean, there's going through recruiters occasionally. Um, and typically that's a very long process and we get a lot of low quality candidates where you have to really funnel through a lot. And I would say the majority of our hires probably since 2016 has come from internal referrals, which is amazing, right? Because now you know that clearly they're engaged and they believe in the company if they're bringing their friends into the space. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Well, everyone I've met on the team has seemed super engaged and it does feel uh, borderline cult-like at times. Um, but I, I much prefer the word family than, than cult. <laughs> no doubt. Um, and love the vibe here. Uh, I'm really excited for where you're at right now in this moment of time uh, because you're you're doing great, but you're also clearly not just 
sitting back and coasting and riding on the success of being first to a market, you're seeing the big opportunity and going after it and challenging things, redoing your core values, yeah. even though they've been you know good enough to get you here. Um, so I, I think you've got some amazing growth ahead and appreciate you sharing this sort of moment in time. Thanks. We do too, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Anything else you want to share before we uh, say goodbye? I would say if you're listening to this podcast and uh, if you're not using video and you're thinking about it, I would, we would definitely like to work with you. If, if you are using video and it's not us, once again, we would love to chat with you. I think, you know, for us, one of the things that's been really cool is recognizing how amazing the tech community is here. Um, you know, when we relocated down here in 2015, you know, we were sort of the outsiders and it took us a while to really understand that there was an engaged community here. It actually happened all through Powder Gig. So, you know, a shameless plug for you. But truly, I mean, most of my um, great connections and how we've networked here in the city has come from the relationships I've, I've sort of gained from going to the Powder Cake events. Uh, I just was um, having happy hour with Andy from Perk a couple of days ago, a great friend of mine, an amazing mentor, and I can name dozens more. But once again, it's come from this really cool community. What I love is that when I go out and meet these people, it's like we're giving advice back and forth, but it's so free. I mean, we love giving back to each other. And so I would say that's where I'm at right now because of how tight the community is. We would love to give back too. So if, if there's anything that we could do to help support a business here in terms of them implementing or using video, uh, we'd love the chance to do it. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. And uh, thanks for your generous leadership, not just at Code Video, but in the community now too. Yeah, man. Cool. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our conversation with Jason Price. Wanted to remind you to check out CoVideo's new culture profile at powderkeg.com slash CoVideo. They're growing like crazy and you can learn a lot from their profile. There you'll find testimonials from current employees, leadership styles, open positions, and more. You can even get connected to the right person at CoVideo if you think you might be the right fit for their team. So go to powderkeg.com slash CoVideo. Again, that's CoVideo, all one word. And click get an intro at the top of the page to get started. Again, that's powderkeg.com slash CoVideo. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Jason Price. If you took something away from this, please make sure you share it with a friend uh, or someone you think that could benefit from some of the knowledge that was shared in this particular episode. Um, if you want to subscribe to us on the podcast, please just go on over to powderkeg.com slash iTunes. You can find all the show notes for this episode at powderkeg.com. We can also subscribe to our email newsletter, uh, get some of the latest news information from amazing tech companies around the country uh, and also around the world, and follow some of what we're doing around the world with uh, the Powder Keg movement. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on Powder Keg Igniting Startups. <laughs>